you know, the uh, any accounts and representations, any likeness of persons living or dead in this message is purely coincidental and do not reflect any actual person. Have to do my uh, my disclaimer here. Um, Paul is addressing a need of things that that need to be addressed and maybe corrected or at least distanced from. And it's the sign of a healthy minister and it's the sign of a healthy ministry to draw lines. We don't like to talk about that uh, really much these days because everybody needs a savior. Everybody should feel welcome. And those things are true, 100% true. But once someone has drawn their own line and made their own position, there's a point at which you may have to draw a line as well. Uh, multiple times in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, 6 and 7, 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, 1 Timothy 7, 1 Timothy 5, 8, 1 Timothy 11 through 13, uh, Timothy 5, 11 through 13. Paul is saying, push back refuse, draw a line, preach against, teach against. Like, this is not just a random thought from Paul. He, As he teaches Timothy how to minister and how to be a mature minister, right? It, this is a guide to spiritual maturity. So we are going to, as we grow in our maturity situation, we are going to be faced with, uh, with, the, with the situations where we have to develop healthy boundaries. Okay? So today's message is, is you know, handling the heretic. And, and that's not necessarily something we want to talk about. And we're going to approach it with love. Brandon, if you want to go ahead and, and pass those out, and if you need to grab somebody else to help you, that's certainly fine. But we're going to handle the heretic. And he isn't done in all of those passages. You know, we're going to talk about it in, in, in verses five, or 3 through 5 today. But also we're going to address it in a few weeks as, as um, you know, as... Paul is not done telling Timothy to beware and to to address these things. So as we look at our passage, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 3 through 5, if any man teach otherwise, right? If any man teach other than the things that I've taught and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. And then he addresses it very quickly, and he says, from such withdraw thyself. So, from such withdraw thyself. So, at the end of the day, handling the heretic is really withdrawing yourself. You know, spoiler alert, the message is not going to be about how to withdraw. The message is going to be how to identify um, the heretic and how to, with, and then subsequently making the decision to withdraw thyself. So, in your in your uh, handout, oh well, first I, you know, one of the things I, I like to do is break scripture down, and in this case, I've reordered it, and I've, as a result, I've had to change some words. So I am not trying to correct scripture. Let me be abundantly clear. I am trying to illustrate and elaborate on scripture. I believe the words are in order on purpose 
they do come from a Jewish mind, which doesn't think the way a Western, you know, Western mind does in the year 2021. So we we need to kind of back up just a little bit. So the words that I changed are going to be. Well, I didn't even pull out my air quotes. The words I changed are in the brackets. Okay, so if you take, and I didn't, I don't think I included this on your notes, but a man that is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, will produce envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men and corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. And he will teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. From what such withdraw thyself? And the reason I reordered these is because some of these are root causes and some of them are manifestations. Okay? And we need to kind of understand that. We need to understand where it comes from versus what is, is kind of being produced. And so, so it's this, a man that is fundamentally proud, fundamentally doesn't know, fundamentally dotes about questions and strifes of words, will produce these things. He will produce envy and strife, and then he will teach, uh, other, he will teach contrary doctrine. He doesn't teach contrary doctrine and become proud, although it might reinforce his pride, right? Pride is the, the root that generates these things. He, his lack of understanding or ignorance generates these things. Are you guys with me? Not correcting scripture, just trying to put it in a linear format that our Western mind thinks. We think if A, then B. The, the Jewish mind doesn't always say that. Sometimes the Jewish mind says B because of A, right? Okay, now we can understand that. But what we do is actually invert that in our brain, the logic in our brain. Yeah. That's, again, how we've just been developed, right? My, my kids, they can play video games that have two thumb things and then X's and, and then there's these buttons and these buttons and they're doing it all at once, right? I'm an Asteroids guy. Bing, 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 bing. And I could turn a knob, or I could roll a ball, or I can move one joystick. Like, that's how I, that my brain, they're like, B, R, R, Ford, hit the X button. And I'm like, where's the X button? There's the X button, right? So not all the brains are wired the same. We develop a certain way. Paul's brain developed a certain way. His, his sentence structure made sense to him. So I just unpacked it. But let me, again, I just want to be very clear. I am not correcting scripture. I'm not suggesting for a second that this is the way it should have been ordered. So the first fruits of the heretic, the first fruits, the, the, the kind of the basal issues, and then also how to fight them, how to fight against it, so that you can not be a heretic yourself. The first is pride. So notice in Pro so I'm, I'm going to have a few verses addressing this issue. The first one was pride. When pro, in verse uh, Proverbs 11, all of these out of Proverbs because it's so uh, so appropriate for pride. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom, right? So <clears throat> one of the produ uh, productions, the fruit of this of pride is shame. And I would argue, and we, we can't do this 
logical exercise for each of these. There's a lot of words in, in, in the process that we're going to look at today. But ultimately, their strife, their railings, their, their, you know, I guess to quote Shakespeare, me doth thinks thou protest too much or some version thereof, right? Some of that comes out of an internal shame. The pride produces a shame that they are actually not, they're not in alignment with what the Lord teaches. And like a good old two-year-old who the mom says no, what's the two-year-old do? Yes! Right? So that's what a prideful spirit does, right? It's actually produces shame. Only by pride cometh contention. So the counter in scripture, pride and shame, you, you need to abase yourself, be lowly. Esteem others better than yourself. When it, when it comes to contention, but notice only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. So take advice. Like, take advice. Somebody's like, hey, I probably wouldn't have answered that the way you did. I probably wouldn't have said it the way you did that. Or, hey, you need to be careful the way you're coming across. Well, that's not meant to be mean. You know, Chris said he wasn't going to sit up front because he didn't want me to pick on him, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to move right over to Jamie. I'm going to just, if Jamie would just take my counsel and stop wearing those, well, bright colors. No, like, sorry, that's how I, I, my eyes were drawn to you and away from you at the exact same time. Um, If I have to look Jamie in the eye and tell him as a brother, hey, bro, you're coming across mean when you teach or you're coming across whatever, right? Whatever the situation is, or you're coming, you're, you're coming across as if you don't care or, or you've got to be careful the way you interact with, you know, your wife in front of, I'm just making stuff up. None of the, literally none of this applies to Jamie, but like, he's got to take that. It's advice. It's advice with the well-advised is wisdom. Pride goeth before destruction, but a haughty spirit before a fall. So in this one, there's not really uh, an action, but just pride precedes destruction. That's what these folks are, are leading to in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Those actions are actually leading to destruction. Well, maybe, you're, maybe your pastor doesn't really know what he's talking about. Well, so they're dividing a family, <laughs> you know? I, mean, I, I, think, I think he's probably wrong on, on that. Well, well, that's not edifying. That's destructive, right? People that, well, is, is the genealogy really saying that? I mean, Sam touched on it today. Is it, is it from Adam to Enoch? Is it six or is it really seven generations? Okay, uh, well, now, now I just don't think you, you want to know the scripture. <laughs> like now I think you've, drawn, you've made yourself known that now you're more about finding the problem than trusting the solution. So let's just... We'll draw that line, right? A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold, here it is, the lowly or the humble in spirit. The humble in spirit. There are times, and, and again, I use myself as, a, as, a, as an example, not because I think it's right or that I'm right. I have plenty of examples where I'm wrong, and I'll even touch on some of those today. But one of the things that I have learned, and we've taught, Michelle and I have talked about this, is it's okay to take the wrong. It's okay to not be right in a situation, whether it's in our own interpersonal interactions, whether it's 
uh, interactions in our community, in our ministry, it's okay to say, well, I, you know, we're, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll just disagree or whatever the case, and I'm sorry if I hurt you, even though maybe they were the ones that 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 hurt you, right? Um, just take the wrong. Like Jesus, like totally took the wrong, and he didn't deserve it. We can be a little more like Christ. But notice the solution, the, the ultimate solution to pride here is the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Like the Lord is all about hating evil and arrogancy and, and the evil way, etc. And how do we address that? How do we all of these things ultimately come under the fear of the Lord, right? Humbling yourself before God, taking advice from people that you trust in the Lord. That's a fear of the Lord concept. All right, so we're moving on to ignorance. Ignorance is the second identified first fruit of the heretic here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And notice in, in Leviticus chapter 4, and there's this, this actually ignorance, it's interesting. The word ignorant or ignorance appears a lot in the law. I was really surprised by this when I looked it up. It was like a aha moment for me. Because ignorance, what, what, okay, if the officer pulls you over, how fast were you going? Well, I was going 52. I know, I was a 52. Well, did you know it was a 45? I did not. Is that, uh, oh, okay, well, since you didn't know, I will let you go. No, ignorance is no excuse for the law, right? Or not abiding by the law. You can't claim ignorance. That's literally not a defense. Otherwise, I didn't know it was wrong to kill somebody. I didn't read the statutes in the state of Missouri that it was wrong to kill people. Well, that you don't that's like not a defense. It doesn't work that way, right? So in the Old Testament, notice, and this is just one snippet, and if the whole congregation of Israel sinned through ignorance, and ignorance literally at its core just means you didn't know, okay? But, and the verse continues and says, and are guilty. Like, it doesn't matter if you knew or not. You're still guilty, right? You're still guilty, and then you say, well, how do you fight it to say the first fruit of the heretic is ignorance, and still guilty isn't doesn't seem like a good well understand that you are still guilty <laughs> like whether you whether you comprehend a concept or not you're still guilty under that concept you can't you you literally don't get to act like a kid and and stomp your feet and say i didn't know acknowledge that you're still guilty that you are in fact a sinner okay Psalm 73:22 So foolish was I and ignorant I was as a beast before thee So and and not not like rar But what do beasts like we have a pretty smart dog Like she's pretty smart she I was telling Sam about about her that we trained her early to like ring her bell when she needed to go out and now she rings her bell when she like needs water or wants to eat needs to go out and Sam's loving pastoral response to me was sounds like the dogs trained you um, <laughs> which is kind of true but where was I going with that <laughs> oh she's a beast she's pretty smart she knows a few words like like time for bed so she goes to bed like the train the bell? huh the train the bell is time for bed? no 
Well, sometimes actually she has, and and there are times like when we used to move her bed from place to place, she'd ring her bell because her bed wasn't in the right place. So yeah, she totally had us trained. My point is, my point is, irrespe- she doesn't have a Facebook account and she doesn't see all those equations. What's the deal on Facebook with all the equations? How do you do this math? Is the multiplication first? Is the division first? Is the subtraction? You guys know what I'm talking about. Like, why does that even matter? Like. Why are you wasting my time? I need memes. Um, <laughs> but my beast cannot do math. And I might or may not be able to do it right. I don't know. My beast is ignorant. I need to understand. Well, how do I understand? Through the word of the Lord. Through his mind. Right? Ephesians 4.18. That's how you fight ignorance. Ephesians 4.18. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because, look at this, because of the, so the root of this is, because of the blindness of their heart. You need to have an open heart. You need to have an open heart to God teaching you. God, and, and you know what? Having an open heart and I, you know, insert joke about surgery, but open heart is uncomfortable. Open heart hurts sometimes. Open heart just just jabs your pride right in the eye and says, you haven't been doing it right. And it's like, really? I thought I was doing it right. Well, you weren't. Having an open heart, man, I mean, just a soft open heart that God can work on That'll, that will fight ignorance and ultimately, I think, fight pride so easily. So, so even in First Timothy, earlier in the book we're studying, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained, he's referring to himself, mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Right? So Paul was choosing to do, Paul was acting out his lostness the way he thought he was supposed to. And you are going to come across people. There are there there is stuff that my kids, uh, both of my boys, get pounded with through their friends, through social media, through any through just bus rides to soccer games. They get pounded with stuff that are just lost people being lost. They're acting out their lostness the best way they know how. They're they're literally like a pig wallowing in the mud, and I'm mad at the pig for being in the mud, right? I get it, but the solution is to help them believe, right? That's how you're going to overcome ignorance, understanding, open heart, understanding you're a sinner, that you and you need to believe. Like literally, the gospel is laid out here. If you don't see it, literally, you need to understand you're or you need to uh, acknowledge that you're a sinner. You need to have an open heart and you need to believe and ultimately confess your sins. Literally, it's the gospel. The next is questions and strifes. Okay? But I want to talk about this word doting for just a moment. This word doting. It literally is an unhealthy appetite or to be sick about. It's literally and I, I think there might be a little bit of a play it's the only time the Greek word appears in the New Testament. It's the only time I think the word doting even does. But I think there's a little bit of a play here that Paul is addressing because he has just come off of, a, uh, of addressing Timothy's uh, stomach infirmities and taking little wine. And he's literally saying there's people who are sick 
about doing these things. They're doting. And we kind of think of doting on like a kid. Like we kind of think of like, like, oh, you're so cute, right? We think of that doting. That's not, that's not what doting meant, you know, 400-ish years ago. 400 years ago when the King James Bible at least was was translated it literally means this unhealthy appetite. They literally crave these kinds of bad things. And they're, they literally are it's hard to, to keep them satiated. It's, it's literally an unhealthy appetite. So they have the, you know, the, the uh, ignorance and they have the pride and so here uh, these questions and strifes Questions and strifes. Notice in 1 Timothy and 2, but Paul addresses this a couple of times. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogy, which minister questions rather than godly edifying. And in 2 Timothy 2, he says, But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing they do gender strifes. So literally, when I have some friends that love a good, uh, love a good doctrinal debate. And I, I am not going to lie. I used to, and this is one of the, the things I feel like I've grown through, I used to love wallowing in that mud myself. And I've come to the realization that nobody gets saved right. through those. That's right. Amen. That I spent a ton of time to be right. Wow, what a waste of time. Because I don't need to be right. Like... The Lord needs to be right, and I need to be along it. Like, like anything that I'm describing I'm right about is literally me reflecting his truth. Like, at best, is me regurgitating his truth or trying to find a, a, a witty way to package it. I don't need to do that. So if somebody wants to engage me about an old earth or a young earth or the gap theory or the gap fact or did Adam have a belly button, you know what I do to them? I look them square in the eye and say, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm looking forward someday to knowing the answers to these things. Like, I really am. I mean, there's a part of me that that wants to understand how the beauty of the Grand Canyon came to be. But at the end of the day, the science isn't going to change or or someone's packaging of the science isn't going to change my view. It's just not going to happen. So why let's let's not waste our time. You go fight with somebody else. I'm going to go minister or just watch a good football game. Like, it's literally a better investment of my time to relax than it is to engage them. Yes. Yes. I would be happy to speak about dinosaurs. So, godly edifying and asking the right questions is the counter to the str- questions and strifes. Okay, well, let's run your theory to ground. Do you still die and go to hell? Yeah. Amen. Like, like, okay, so it's an old earth. Oh, oh so, so it's a newer. Do you still need a savior? Do you still need to minister to people? Like, do, do your, does your marriage need to be reconciled? Like, does your, do, do you have a relationship with your kids? Like, like, but, but yeah, you're going to be right. Okay, we'll call you right about old earth, young earth, and dinosaurs. 
or who the Antichrist is, where he's coming from, what country, you know, whatever. Like we can we can sit and debate that stuff for eons. And you know what? Probably none of us are right. That's actually the thing that I think God loves about the foolishness is that we're all debating these things and it's probably it's kind of like the the scene in Indiana Jones in the the Last Crusade, right? Does anybody remember that when he goes into the room with all the the cups, all the I can't remember the chalices. chalices is the word I was after. All of them, and it's like there's this moment where he sees through all of it, and it's the simple, humble wooden chalice, right? It's a simple, humble wooden cup, right? I kind of, it's kind of how I approach it. Like we can have all our grandiose theories, and God's going to say, no, 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 it's just this. You know. So the next section, the manifestations of the heretic, right? So on the left side are the envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. So I've just put some some things here. I think you've got some words to fill in the blank. But envy says, I want what is yours. Well, that's not godly. That's not godly. Strife says, I want you to know I'm right. Well, so what? Okay. High five. You're the right one. Railings. Well, I think you're wrong. (laughs) Okay. And I don't care. (laughs) And I don't mean that like ignorant. I don't mean stick my head in the sand that I don't, I shouldn't care about truth. But your interpretation, and, and watch out, I may jump on somebody's toes. Like, I don't care if the earth is flat. I don't think it's flat. And if you think it's flat, praise the Lord, let's go, let's go minister to somebody. I, I don't care. I'm going to get on a plane when I travel internationally, and the pilot's going to get me there. And whether we go over the South Pole or not. Okay, so this is this evil surmisings. Gets a, the, I don't trust you. This whole concept that because the government said it, therefore it is wrong, is the basis for most conspiracy theories. Okay? And yes, I do think we're in a shortage of conspiracy theories because a lot of them are coming true. But <laughs> I would also argue you don't want to fly over the South Pole because there's not a whole lot of landing options. If you have to go down, ain't nobody coming for you. So did the, did the coronavirus start in a lab in China? Probably. But an evil surmising says, therefore it's terrorism. Well, maybe not. There are labs all over this globe who are trying to get ahead of the next pandemic, the next wave, and they do testing on stuff all the time. Maybe somebody screwed up, didn't get a latch sealed or whatever, and carried the virus out with them. Like, it's possible that it wasn't nefarious. Did Satan possibly use it? Sure. People are dying, hurting. Uh, like, But it's an evil surmising to say, well, therefore, I think it was man-made. Therefore, it's a conspiracy. You know, they're trying to kill people. It's an act of bioterrorism. Be careful. You're drawing conclusions that may or may not be based in science. And sure, NASA probably has to, to, to piece pictures together to create a picture of the globe. Doesn't make it not true. Like, just be careful. Because this concept, the, the heretic, 
these things, and I, I know I, I, I'm hitting y'all. I'll probably get some if if I haven't hurt you yet. If I haven't stepped on your toes, just let me know because I'll I'll get there by in the next ten minutes. <laughs> like all of these things, if you're not careful, march you to heresy. Not because they're wrong at their core, but because they're not the main thing. You're taking your... It's like it's literally like missing the landing spot because a fly went by. Like it's it just... It, what movie was it? It just doesn't matter. Was it Meatballs? It just... Meatball, just anybody? Just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter, right? Is it Meatballs? No, you guys, you don't know what I'm talking about. There's this, there's a scene where they were doing some sporting activity and they knew they were going to lose and Bill Murray looks at everybody with the passion and he goes, it just doesn't matter. And then he says it again, and it's in the classic Bill Murray tone, and eventually everybody's chanting, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Perverse disputings of, of men of corrupt minds. You're not listening to me. Right? Destitute of the truth. Well, I think, well, there, that means the truth like isn't in that equation. Because it doesn't matter what you think. It's about the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. Well, they must be following God because... And, I, and, and again, I know, people, I know people that people in this room know who have used this or a similar statement to me to describe their relationship, to, to ascribe success in a relationship with the Lord based on how their life is going. Wow, is that wrong? It's called Job's Friends. Literally. Literally. So so this now changes, and you have a few more blanks to fill in. Envy, the counter to this. So this is the manifestations of the spiritual. Envy is, I want, what, want what's best for you. I've used this illustration before a few times that, I, that I've been speaking. But if I told you that I won a hundred thousand, and I'm going to put a, like a, I'm not going to say like a, a million dollars or $50 million or $500 million in the lottery. If I told you I won $100,000 in the lottery, I was walking down the street, I saw a ticket, I picked it up, and it was a $100,000 winner. If your first thought is, why didn't God bless me? You. Or another first thought is, I don't deserve it. I would argue you're marching to heresy. Your first thought, the spiritual says, I'm glad God's working in your life. I'm glad, and, and you say, well, wait, that's just opposite of what you just said about gain is godliness. Well, obviously God allowed that. God's at work. Now, maybe you need to be super careful and give it all away because just once I want the chance to prove rent money will not ruin me, right? Um, <laughs> but I want what's best for you. Strife, the opposite of strife is I want us to have peace. Right? Railings, I appreciate you. I appreciate your position. Even if we disagree, I love you. I'm not going to let your position, like literally your position on the shape of the earth is not going to matter to me. I will, if we go golfing, then I will say, why did the ball roll down the hill if you think the earth is flat? Because I'm a jokester. (laughs) Right? I should be able to hit it straight no matter what, and it should go in the hole. Right? 
but that's just how I'm going to joke with you. Evil surmisings, the way to counter that is, I trust you. I trust that the Lord's at work in your life. I trust the Holy Spirit to convict you. I, tr- I trust you. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But truth is, right? Destitute of truth. Well, let's study that together. If there is something in Scripture that we need to, to parse out, let's do it together. Let's, let's let the Holy Spirit show both of us. And supposing that gain is godliness, well, don't... Okay, great. I'm glad you won the lottery, but don't trust in uncertain riches. Like, God may be wanting to use you for, for something, but don't trust in uncertain riches. And then last, we're going to move to the doctrinal evidence of the heretic. And we've just got a few more points Uh, A few more uh, slides here. The doctrinal evidence of the heretic is they are going to teach otherwise. What's going to happen? And look, heretic, I know, is a really kind of like a pokey in the eye kind of name. Like if somebody called me a heretic, it'd probably get the hair on the neck to stand up. The the hair that I didn't reach when I shaved because I I go pretty far down to my neck, but the hair that was supposed to be a joke. Come on, people. So the, yeah, the the one's a little lower. Hair on my back. It makes my hair on my back stand up. It was that that made it worse, didn't it? Sorry, sorry. It was getting a little somber in here. I had to break it up a little bit. So, if someone were to call me a heretic, depending on who it was. If Sam said, Mitch, you're acting like a heretic, it would, it would bother me. I'd want to like address it. But some people in this world, they're going to call me a heretic, and I'll be like, right on, bro, because <laughs> I think you're wrong. So, okay. Like, I don't think that's how the world rolls. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm saved by grace through faith, not the way you say. So, call me a heretic. That's cool. Right? right. right? Uh-huh. But they teach otherwise. And the thing about the heretic is if you march back up this line of things that we've looked at today, they all can be fixed. They all can be fixed. They all can be fixed with grace and patience. So they will teach otherwise. First Timothy, again, chapter one and verse three, as I besought thee still to, uh, to abide at, or as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So literally, this is a little bit of a bookend concept that the beginning of 1 Timothy, Paul has already addressed, hey, I don't want any, Timothy, anybody you train, don't have them teach any other doctrine. Okay, it needs to align with what we believe. And if they want to teach it, go fine, they can go teach it somewhere else, but not in our, our sphere. <clears throat> Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. It's literally the same context. Excuse me, the same context here in First Timothy chapter six. Withdraw yourself from them. Just avoid them. Like I don't need to notice. Paul doesn't say convince them. Paul doesn't say turn them. Paul doesn't say spend your time showing them where they're wrong. Just avoid them. They're avoid them. Just avoid them. In Galatians 1, 6-7, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is, is not another, but there, are some, the, uh, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. There really isn't a second gospel. They might posture it as that. There isn't a further gospel than what is recorded in your Bible. 
they'll posture it as that and they would pervert it but just just avoid them just withdraw yourself from them and and the next is maybe they consent not to wholesome words even the words of our lord jesus christ it's interesting because their words will find them out you give a heretic time and they'll trip up in what they say and they'll trip up and they won't own it as an error. Like, I would be a fool to believe that 100% of what I say when I'm in this little boxy area here is accurate. Now, I believe it to be accurate, but if the Lord shows me, if one of you come up and say, I don't think that's what Scripture actually says, or if a pastor comes up and says, Mitch, I'm not sure, then I'll be like, oh, well, teach me. Show me where I was wrong. Like, because it's important. I want to be right. I want it not because I want to be right. I want to reflect the word of of the Lord correctly. But a heretic won't do that. A heretic, when you call them to the carpet, what do they do? They become the two-year-old and they dig in their heels and they, well, that's not what I was. That's not what I was saying. You're reading me wrong. Why are you Why are you coming at me, bro? That didn't sound quite as cool coming out of my mouth as it did in my head. Why are you in my grill, right? Like, am I what? Why are you trying to cook on my grill? Um, notice, the, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. They will never be settled in their spirit. There will be a perver- the perverseness will create a breach in their spirit. And then look, even this context of even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, like don't miss this. We always, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you all. Like we stop, I feel like conceptually we stop after the teaching them to observe all things, maybe right there. But literally, even the words of Christ, there are some that would pervert the words, the things that Christ taught. And I am excited about our next study. Again, I'll be dabbling this out a little bit. We are going to be studying the questions that Jesus asked uh, folks uh, in our next series. So we'll be in the Gospels. We'll be bouncing around a little bit. Obviously, it'll be out of Scripture, but it'll be a little more... It might come across a little more topical, but they will always be questions that Christ asked. But last and certainly not least, they do not align with the doctrines of godliness. They will almost always align to doctrines of science or of intellect or of knowledge because you know what? I don't have to live more like Christ if I argue about whether the world is flat or not. I can argue about whether the world is flat or not. Well, that doesn't affect godliness. Well, it's me being right. Well, that's not about godliness, right? Look at First Peter, or Second Peter, chapter one, and we'll we'll finish on this. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, so He's literally given us what we need to do what we ha- are called to do. Look at through the knowledge, not of science, but of Him, the knowledge of Him, the knowledge of Christ, that have called us to glory and virtue, whereby. 
whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, not arguments around science, not arguments around how many, you know, whether the, the was it one of the chromosomes does not look like, it looks like two chromosomes together and you split those apart and you have an ape, so clearly we're evolution and like, ah, stop! Maybe he designed it that way. Maybe to, to, to put a stumbling block in front of you so you would choose this or him. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, now notice, give all diligence, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. It has to start with faith. Then it leads to virtue. Then it leads to knowledge. Then temperance, which is interesting, temperance follows knowledge. The ability to control your tongue, the ability to, to understand how to execute on information, right, comes after information or knowledge. And to temperance, patience, because God's at work. And notice, and to patience, godliness. Literally, they don't care. The heretic doesn't care about godliness. They will care about everything but godliness. So you'll, you'll know when these people, when they come at you, their arguments will not, the, the conclusion of their arguments do not lead to godliness. So it's a, it's, if I could leave you with one litmus test, the conclusion of their argument, well, if, okay, let's believe you. The earth is a gazillion years old. Okay. Do I still need a savior? So, what are you going to do with that? The discipleship decision, the maturing decision today, will you separate yourself from the heretic? And that's hard. It's hard to do. Because you say, well, Mitch, earlier you said I thought I had to minister to him. Well, you can minister, but separate. You can draw a line that says, look, bro, our relationship is only going to go so far until you stop with this stuff and start with the stuff that really matters. Like, we can't do this the same. Like, I'm ready the minute you want to have a biblical relationship. Well, what I believe is in the Bible. No, but well, a godliness relationship. The minute you want to do that, I'm like, we're, we're down. We'll study scripture. We'll be, we'll be good. But when it's not like that, I need to be about my father's business. Like, I need to be about that. And not about what you're, you're, you're trying to, to lay down. Let's pray. Lord.